Welcome to another episode of Extraordinary Moments from an Ordinary Life. I'm just an ordinary human trying to soak in as much life as I can this side of heaven. I've had some interesting stories along the way, some fun, some serious and challenging, some unexpected, and some just plain crazy. But I'll have a lesson and I so believe that we need to learn from one another's stories. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear and learn from your moments as well. Enjoy! Well, hello again. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me for another episode. Okay, so for those of you who have been listening to my podcast, you know that I have had a goal of using one particular sound. I think it's my favorite somewhere in each episode. Kind of like Where's Waldo, only it's the audio version. Well, this episode doesn't really lend itself to that. So here's the deal. I decided to just give it to you. This is my gift to you. It's free. I'm just doing this because I love you. I love you that much. Are you ready? Wait for it. Okay, thank you for indulging me. All right, now on with the episode. I love this quote by R. Tegger. It says this, Faith is the bird that feels the light when the dawn is still dark. Let me repeat that. Faith is the bird that feels the light when the dawn is still dark. Ah, it takes a minute to soak in, doesn't it? What do you believe? What has your faith journey been? I love hearing about people's different stories, journeys, beliefs, and life perspectives. And I love how we all have differing, unique, and personal walks as we discover the faith we choose to come to in the end. That to me is extraordinary. If you're a Facebook user, you probably know that under the profile section of each user, there's a little heading that says religious views. If you happen to look at mine, you'll find that it says this, Christ gave his life for me, so I want to do the same for him. That pretty much sums up where I stand when it comes to my faith. It's been an extraordinary journey getting there though, and that's what I wanna share with you today. So this morning I read an article about this new social media platform that's mostly popular with the Gen Z age group. You may have heard of it, it's called Be Real. Described as quote, a new and unique way to discover who your friends really are in their daily life. The app foregoes any social media trickery and makes it impossible to showcase a highlight reel of your life in favor of real, relatable moments that let the world know who you actually are. The picture-based app is garnering attention for breaking down social media's obsession with perfectionism and rewriting the rules on posting content that's not authentic. There's no editing and no do-overs. It's undeniable 
the power that social media has had to help people from all walks of life monetize their talents and their image. But with that also comes the baggage of having to maneuver through the exceptionally high and sometimes unrealistic standards and expectations of the perfect life. This app aims to humanize the whole social media experience. And to be honest, that sounds pretty refreshing to us. End quote. I bring this up because as I read the article, this statement stood out to me. Real, relatable moments that let the world really know who you actually are. And the words, authentic, no do-overs, no editing. It made me take a quick inventory of my own honesty, especially when it comes to my faith. How authentic have I been? How much do I edit my faith to those around me? Does the world around me truly know who I am and what I believe? If I'm being honest, I have thought about recording an episode about my faith for a long time. I think I've hesitated because, quote, religion seems like such a sensitive subject these days. Because of the cancel culture we presently live with, I didn't want to say something that would maybe make people see me through different eyes or be judged by others' preconceived stereotypes of certain beliefs. Don't talk politics. Don't talk religion, they say. But who is they anyway? And really, why can't we talk about it? That article inspired me this morning to sit down and take the risk of being truly honest and authentic when it comes to my faith. I don't want to sugarcoat it. This is me. This is who I am. Feel free to press stop or keep listening. Either way, here is the story of my faith journey. To give just a little background, I was raised in a church-going family. My dad came from a Lutheran background, my mom, American Baptist. My mom's dad and her brother were both pastors. I came from generations of a Christian faith. We attended a Lutheran church as I grew up. I went through years of Sunday school, catechism, communion, the whole thing. In fact, growing up in that church gave me more than what just happened in the sanctuary. It's also where I got to taste my first cup of black coffee when my friends and I played hooky from Sunday school one week and snuck down to the empty fellowship hall and tried it when no one else was looking. We all acted as if we liked it, but I don't think any of us really did. I've been a cream in my coffee kind of girl ever since then. Hey, actually, that might have been the perfect spot for that sound I played in the intro. Ugh, oh well. I also tried my first beer on a church youth retreat that one of my friends had snuck in. A friend had heard that you get a stronger effect from the alcohol if you drink it through a straw, which we all did. To this day, I'm still not sure if that's true or not. But anyway, the picture is vivid in my mind of us drinking our coors from the can late at night out in the mountain air with our straws, thinking we were rebellious, badass Lutheran teenagers. 
Needless to say, at the time, it felt like church was something I was expected to do every week. There was a lot of standing up and sitting down. Then we'd stand back up and sit back down. We would recite lots of corporate readings that we all had memorized after repeating them week after week. We'd stand up and sit down some more. I figure, who needs a workout when you're a Lutheran? I did enjoy seeing my other Lutheran friends from school there, and I did love the choir, the music, and the real wine for communion. But mostly, it was a chore of sorts, kind of uh, something just to check off my weekly list of things that were required of me. But don't get me wrong. Looking back, I can now appreciate, understand, and have full gratitude for the foundation that those years were building in my faith journey without even knowing it at the time. But when does faith become your own and not that of your family or upbringing? For me, it was when I was in my later years of high school. tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul and I grew up together and rode the bus back and forth to school every day from first grade on into high school. We spent a lot of time together in high school especially. Paul loved the outdoors and he was an extremely gifted soccer player. We would laugh together. He challenged me. We shared life together and he loved adventure. One Saturday, he wanted to take me hiking in the canyons behind our houses. At one point, as we were headed up to the top of the canyon, there was a rock wall that he wanted to climb up, of course. Me, I wanted to go around it and find a sensible trail or something like that to take us back up to the top. But not Paul. He convinced me to give it a try. I was terrified, but I trusted him. I knew he had climbed the walls of that canyon literally hundreds of times. So he led the way. He would look down to me behind him and tell me exactly where to place each hand and foot as I climbed. And he reminded me to not look down, but to just keep looking up toward him and listen to his voice telling me where to step. He kept saying, just trust me, I've got you. It was scary. I didn't like it at all. As I neared the top, Paul reached down his hand. He tightly grabbed mine in his, and he pulled me up to the safety of the ledge at the top. Whew, we had made it. We sat at the top of that canyon for a long time, talking about life, sharing dreams of our future, laughing together, just enjoying being together. Paul wanted to play soccer in Brazil after he graduated. It was a huge dream that he had at the time that seemed nearly impossible. But we both believed he could do it. I'm telling you, he was a gifted, gifted soccer player. We talked a lot about it. I'll always treasure those days together, dreaming, hoping, and sharing our lives with one another. Well, it was in that same canyon a few weeks later that Paul was climbing and he fell about 30 feet, hitting his head on a rock. I won't share any, any details other than that, other than to say that my beloved Paul did not survive the fall. 
Paul's death threw me into a deep depression and tailspin. I was shattered. I was confused. I was angry, sad. And I was asking questions that just seemed to have no answers. I didn't really, quote, know this Jesus I had heard about my whole life. I didn't know how to have a true, honest, heart-to-heart -heart conversation with him. Really, the only time that I talked to him was before a meal, when in our family, we would bow our heads and say, Dear Lord, we thankfully bow our heads to thank thee for our daily bread, and may there be a goodly share on every table everywhere. Amen. <laughs> and that's usually how my brother and sister and I said it. As you can hear, it was something uh, recited, mostly, but not really from our hearts. I can't believe I can remember that even to this day. He was God to me, more than a friend or a comforter. I viewed him as one who requires much of us in our actions and behaviors, and that that's really what mattered to him. But how wrong I was. I've since come to learn that doing things for God is not at all the same thing as loving God. He just wants us. He wants us to love him and to love others with our whole hearts. That's it. It's really pretty simple. So I spent a lot of time alone in my room after Paul's death. I would play my guitar or listen to Dan Fogelberg, Jim Croce, or James Taylor through my massive pioneer earphones and speakers that were literally about the size of small washing machines. I cried a lot. I wrote some songs. I expressed my feelings, some on paper in writing. I really just tried to hold on. This next part of the story is where you might question it or possibly judge me for believing what happened. But I'm going to share it anyway because it was a miracle to me. I'll call it a vision. I'm not sure how else to classify it. But as I was sitting on my bed with my eyes closed, listening to some sad, slow music, I saw in my mind what I believe to be a gift from Jesus that revealed to me himself, his love for me, his comfort, and his truth, none of which I had truly before known. This is what happened. In my mind's eye, I was back at the canyon on that same day that Paul helped me climb to the top. I heard a voice telling me where to place each hand and foot along the way, just like on that day with Paul, only this time it was the same words saying, just trust me, I've got you. But it was a different voice. And when the hand reached down for me at the top to pull me up, I looked up to it and I noticed a nail scar in the wrist. It was Jesus. He pulled me up to the safety of the ledge. He sat beside me and held me, just like Paul had done. But it felt holy. That's the only word I can find to describe it. I felt a peace and a comfort like I had never, ever known before. He was with me. He was real. 
He loved me more than I could ever know or imagine. And he wanted me to know that. He wanted me to trust him and know him and talk to him and give my everything to him. From that moment on, that is what I've sought to do. It's hard to explain to you how real that experience was for me, but it changed my life. It changed me. I know that sounds dramatic, but sometimes God's God works that way. For me, he had to be obvious. I have no doubt that he was with me that day, comforting me and showing me that I was his child. Nothing else mattered in that moment. And it changed the course of my life. You know what I discovered that day? I discovered that those stories that I had heard of all along growing up in that church about Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, that they were true. Have you ever heard about the word grace? Using it as an acronym, it can mean God's riches at Christ's expense. I had heard John 3.16 growing up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It didn't really mean anything to me until that day. But I saw in that nail-scarred hand reaching down to me a reminder that he made the ultimate sacrifice for us to know him and that he longed to have that relationship with each of us individually. He wanted to be active and alive in my heart and in my life. I started reading the Bible as God's message to me. And I saw the verse in Ephesians that says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the free gift of God. As he reached out to me with his nail-scarred wrist, he was also reaching out to me with a free gift. All I had to do was receive it. It was that simple. I think I remember telling him something just easy, like this, something like, Jesus, I ask you for you, for the real you. Give me everything you've got, and I'll give you all of me in return. I think it was something like that that I said to him. But I now know and believe with all my heart that to have Jesus, to really have Jesus, to have him, is to have the greatest treasure of all. dislike the term religious. I don't call myself religious. I honestly don't even like the term Christian, to be honest. I like to call myself a Jesus follower. Just that, a Jesus follower. I've seen so many Christians along the way who have represented Christ in such a way that others could look and and just say, no way do I want to be that. You know who I'm talking about. Hypocritical, fake, prideful. I really don't want to be one who represents Christ that way. I want to love individual humans, not humanity. I want to love Christ. 
I don't want to love Christianity. <laughs> My hope is that I don't get in the way of others seeing Jesus in the way that I see him. But for me, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with the one who created me and loves me more than I could ever know or understand. I almost wish that Facebook would change that from religious views to, I don't know, maybe, what do you believe? I don't know. Anyway, it's been an amazing journey getting to know him and his personality since that day long ago. I think if I were to describe Jesus, I would describe him as playful, fierce, kind, creative, generous, brutally honest, pure goodness, holy, never overbearing, sometimes irreverent, <laughs> funny, witty, intentional, attentive to detail, obsessed with beauty, generous, celebratory. I think I would describe Jesus just like sunshine. <laughs> Brendan Manning says this, we have spread so many ashes over the, the historical Jesus that we scarcely feel the glow of his presence anymore. He is a man in a way that we have forgotten men can be. Truthful, blunt, emotional, sensitive, compassionate. The more we grasp his humanity, the more we will find him someone we can approach, know, love, trust, and adore. I love that. My favorite authors is John Eldridge. In his book called Beautiful Outlaw, he helps us to understand and experience the playful, disruptive, extravagant personality of Jesus. That's the Jesus I know. Extraordinary Jesus. The back of John's book says this, quote, Reading the Gospels without knowing the personality of Jesus is like watching television with the sound turned off. The effect is a dry, two-dimensional person saying strange, undecipherable things. But when we discover his true character, this man who made the wind, music, and flying squirrels, suddenly all the remarkable qualities of Jesus burst forth with color and brilliance like fireworks. End quote. What fun it is to get to know him. There are a million depictions of Jesus in art, um, but there's one that I love that is a painting uh, by an artist called Yong Sum Kim, where Jesus is depicted as laughing, pure joy. It's such a great painting. I love that image of my mind of who he is, just laughing and playful. I would love... For you to know the Jesus I know and experience the fullness of his personality. Oh, I would love that. Of course, I want you to know and love Jesus like I do because it's so amazing. 
But I do understand that we all have our own journeys. And trust me, I try my best to not be one to judge anyone else when it comes to the path they're walking. I recently watched the musical Come From Away, which, by the way, you have to see if you haven't seen it yet. And there's a song they sing uh, that's based on the prayer of St. Francis that really expresses how I want to live. The lyrics say this, Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there is doubt, true faith in you. Where there is despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. Where there is sadness, ever joy. back to John Eldridge and his book, Beautiful Outlaw. He says this, we don't need further speculation or debate. We need Jesus himself. And you can have him, really. You can experience Jesus intimately. You were meant to. For despite the vandalizing of Jesus Christ by religion and the world, he's still alive and very much himself. For to have Jesus really have him, is to have the greatest treasure in all the world. And to love Jesus, that is to settle the first question of human existence, of your existence. Everything else flows from there. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to drop five stars in the ratings and reviews section and leave a comment if you'd like. Also, feel free to pass this on to any others who you might think might enjoy it. You can listen wherever you find your audio, including Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'd also love to hear your comments and the stories from your own journey at lifemoments at mail.com. Please drop me a note and feel free to subscribe and join me again for my upcoming episodes. Thanks again so much for listening and don't forget to always be on the lookout for the extraordinary in the ordinary of your own life. I hope you'll join me again next time.